just stay in that attitude of worship as we just, the Lord's given me a word to share, but I just, we're going to be sharing Yeshua's table, the Lord's Supper here in a little bit. I haven't done that in a while, and I really believe it's an appropriate time to do that. I want to talk today about, <clears throat> we talked about it last week, about aspects of covenant, that we've lost a sense of covenant in our country, in the world. We don't really understand covenantal love, that God is a covenant-keeping, loving Father, but he, he relates to us through covenant. And when we understand covenant, we'll understand his ways so much better. And today I'm going to kind of bring it over to, we're going to be looking at Abram. He was known as Abram the Hebrew. And you know, I was... I was having lunch yesterday with a good friend of mine, and he's from another denomination. Matter of fact, he's an Anglican priest. And I love this man, and, and he loves me, and we just were just talking and, and just sharing. And Anybody here ever had a message in unity, heard a message in unity before? Kind of, we've had them up to here. We've heard messages and teachings on unity. And we're always like, yeah, as soon as they come into unity with us, then everything's going to be good. <laughs> and yet, that's not what unity is all about. We talk about it all the time, but we aren't there. And yet, God says in John chapter 17, he says, they will know, the world will know us by the love we have for one another. And that love is going to cross all denominational barriers because, and this is what I want to focus on today, is we cross over into something else. That doesn't mean we don't have our preferences. I'm a Messianic Jew. Hallelujah. I love the Messianic worship. I love our Messianic understanding of the scriptures. And I ain't going nowhere from that. That's, but yet I'm able to, to be with my Anglican brother and worship the Lord. I'm able to be with even, yes, I'll even say it. I know Catholics who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. God is calling us into this, yes, to, to have our preferences and to have, not to say throw away doctrines and theologies, but don't focus on my tribe, my vision, my interpretation of doctrine, my preference for worship, my beliefs. And today we're being faced with all, we all, you know, we all have our issue with, with all the things that are going on in the world. My understanding of masks, my understanding of science today, and how the, the virus is transmitted. We all have those things and we're in our camps and we like our camps and we stay in our camps. You stay out of my camp unless you agree with me on my camp issues. I have my own camp rules. God is saying, no. If anything we can get out of these last six months of craziness is God is breaking down the walls. We got together. Several of us went um, last Monday. We had a, a great time of prayer and, and, and um, joining together churches from all over the region at the Rock. And we have one thing. We, we focus on one thing, Yeshua. 
in his, in his supreme rule over this, over this city and over this nation and the things that he's going to be going into. And we're all like saying, yes, Lord, we want to walk into your ways, Lord God. Lord, we surrender. Lord, we surrender, Lord, and we join with our brothers and sisters. We cross over because we're crossing into covenant with you, Lord God. You see, that's how we're going to see things change. That's how we're going to see things change. Just a little bit of a review from last week. I talked about how God, he's always looking for somebody to covenant with. He always is. And we were looking in, in um, Hebrews chapter 11, I mean, excuse me, Genesis, Bereshit chapter 11, where God intervened when the people decided to build a tower on the plains of Shinar. First of all, Tammy, thank you so much for your worship. <laughs> Tammy Vassara, you've been just, you've blessed us so much this summer, and I failed to, to recognize you at the beginning of our service, and some are saying, who's this? Who's this woman? But we just love you, and we love your worship, and we love who you are. Thank you. But God intervened in the people of, and the plains of Shinar who were building a tower to make a name for themselves instead of being a representative for Adonai in planet Earth. See, they were outside of God's covenant purposes. They were building it out of pride. We can do this. We can reach heavens in our own strength, and God scattered them. So we're going to look at Abram today, and we're going to read from starting in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. I say Hebrews. Genesis chapter 11. Maybe because Hebrews chapter 11 is such an awesome chapter. It is. And Abram's mentioned in there. Verse 27. These are Terah's genealogies. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran fathered Lot. Haran died before Terah, his father, in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was barren. She did not have a child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, Haran's son, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and he took them out of Ur of the, Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Isn't this interesting? Back in those days, people didn't really travel around that much. But for some reason, God put it on Terah to take his family to move to Canaan. Hmm, interesting. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So God is already stirring in a family. And he's looking for somebody to covenant with. Verse 32, Terah's days were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Then Adonai said to Abram, get going out from your land. I love how that's worded. Get going out of your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Abram crossed over a river. 
not the Jordan, but the Euphrates. As a matter of fact, that's where that term Hebrew, the root is three letters in Hebrew that are the root for Hebrew. Ayin, Bet, Resh. Evri, Ev, Evri, or Evar, Ever, Hebrew. You understand how the connection is? It simply means passed over or cross over. So Abram, God is name, and we actually see this in Genesis 14, verse 13. He says, then a survivor came and told Abram the Hebrew, the first time that is mentioned, Abram the Hebrew, Abram the one who crossed over. He crossed over a river, the Euphrates. God's calling us to cross over. Interesting, Abram, his name, exalted father, Abram. When God covenants with him, God changes his name. He puts an H in there. We go, well, what's an H? Abraham, Abram. In Hebrew, it's Abraham, He. It's the very name of God he places in him. And he becomes Avraham, father of a multitude of nations. Abraham crossed over the Euphrates and it defined his identity in his father's eyes. He became somebody different. And as a matter of fact, he even he saw this man and he speaks to him. He says, I want you to now leave your leave the land that you're in. For some reason, they decided to, to stay in the land of Haran. I've been to that land, and it's in southern Turkey. I've been there. They stayed there, but uh, that's not the goal that God wanted for whoever he was going to covenant with. And he says, I want you to cross the river. And there's a river called the Euphrates River. I've been to that Euphrates River. And to get to Canaan, you have to cross the Euphrates River. That's the crossing over. And when he did that, he's forever known as, as in, in his father's eyes as somebody who's going to be following his ways. And somebody God recognizes in Abram, a man that he will use to bless many, including us. You see, we need to understand that specific acts of faith that you take, and all of us are called to take specific acts, Create a godly identity, not just in you, but in your, in your bloodline, too. Whatever acts of faith that we take in responding to God, it's an identity for us, but it also carries on, just like it did in Abraham's bloodline. But it's the same with iniquity, too. It creates an iniquitous imprint on our bloodline. Crossing over is a defining characteristic of a one who is aligned with covenant. Crossing over. What do I mean by that? We, we throw words around covenant, but we don't really understand covenant. It's like what I was talking about last week. But when we come into a relationship with Yeshua, I didn't know that 40 years ago when I came into that relationship with him, but I've grown and I understand by reading the word and, and the spirit leading me that I've entered into something. It's a covenantal relationship that's different than all other things, but it, it, it changes every other relationship I'm in. 
You see, when we cross over, it implies leaving the past. Leaving the past, it's allegiances, mindsets, and that's been a hard one for me. I don't know about you. It's been a hard one for me to leave mindsets of the past. Well, man, that's how we used to do it. And so, yeah, we got to just keep on doing it the same way. And yet God is breaking through. And sometimes he'll use COVID or some other thing to change our mindsets on a real quick, in a real quick way. Changing our mindsets, changing our lifestyles, our patterns of behavior. We leave those things when we cross over into something new. And there's no going back. When we cross over that river, there's no going back. Because we're aligning ourselves with the God of creation and his kingdom. His ways, his purposes. Our prayer needs to be, God, come intervene in me that I will move to the other side, that I will cross over. We're, our life is a series of crossing overs. You, you notice that's not just one big crossover. I mean, yeah, we do cross over at one point. There's one point where we just, where we come into that, we're saved. We were dead and then we come alive, that we crossed over. But our whole life is seasons of crossing over, getting rid of stuff from the past and moving into new things. See, there's a covenantal process that takes place. And we're going to look at that. As a matter of fact, I want to look at some scriptures now. We're talking about covenant. We covenant with God, but when we come into that covenant, we also covenant the covenant with one another. As a matter of fact, Sarah, you mentioned it. We become brothers and sisters to one another. We become family, mishpacha. So it's not just me anymore. We become tribes. We become a community, a kehilah. And we see this. Um, if you turn to Joshua chapter 3. And you know, if you look through the scriptures, there's always a... God speaks to the prophets and he speaks to the, to the, to the prophets, speak to the kings. And, and we see that. But God is speaking to Israel. God is speaking to the assembly. He's speaking to the congregation. We need to, and covenant is about being part of a group, being part of a community. In John, Joshua chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 9, it says, So Joshua, okay, so we, we've been reading in, in, in the Parsha about, you know, they're getting prepared, they've been wandering in the wilderness, and now... Uh, and, and Moses is gone and turned everything, transitions over to Joshua. Now it's time to, guess what? They're going to be crossing over another river, a whole new river. This time it's a Jordan River. Verse 9 says, So Joshua said to B'nai Israel, the sons of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of Adonai your God. Joshua said, By this you will know that the living God is among you, talking to the whole congregation. And that he will certainly drive out from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Gigazite, the Amorite, the la, 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 every site, parasites, every site is going to be thrown out because the God of peace is going before us, is going to crush Satan underneath his feet. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord, of the Sovereign of all the earth is advancing before you into the Jordan. So now take your, yourselves, take for yourselves 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. 
It will come to pass when the soles of the feet of the Kohanim, who are carrying the Ark of Adonai, sovereign of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the Jordan's waters will be cut off. The waters coming downstream will stand up in one heap. Verse 14. So it came to pass when the people set out from their tents to cross over. There we go again. They're crossing over. They're going from one season into a whole new season. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the Kohanim were carrying the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. So we see here a, a tribal or community as, aspect of covenant that we're entering into. We see this also in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's bring it home a little bit more. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. It says, for just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Messiah, for in one ruach we were all immersed. And that word immersed struck out because we, were, we crossed over when we were immersed in the waters of baptism. We crossed over. So, Immersed so into one body, whether Jewish or Greek, slave or free, and all were made to drink one ruach. And then down verse 26, it says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer together. If one part is honored, all the parts rejoice together. You see, that's how God operates. Is he's, he blesses, he blesses. And when one, somebody in the, in the body is hurting, we're all hurting. I was talking to somebody who's been part of our congregation. They haven't been here in six months because they're not able to. Physically, they're not able to. And I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm, it's been hard. She missed coming together, but she knows she can't right now. It's been hard. They're part of our community. I miss her when she's not here. We miss people when they're not here. When else somebody gets honored, we want to honor. We rejoice with them. We've lost that sense in the body of Messiah. I want to encourage you, if you haven't seen somebody around, give them a call, reach out to them, find out what's going on. Just say, hey, how are you thinking about you, praying about you, praying for you? You see, we see an example of the tribe concept in covenant, even with Abram and Lot. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, it says, so Abraham went, Abram went, he left his family, left his, 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 um, all the, the familiar things, just as Adonai had spoken. Also, Lot went with him. We kind of pass over that. But there was a covenantal relationship between Abram and Lot. You see, Abram responded immediately at the word of the Lord. Lot joined himself to Abram in a covenant relationship, covenantally. And as Abram, and, and they understood that. In the Middle East, they understand covenant. As Abraham goes, so goes Lot. As Abraham goes, so goes Lot. Vice versa, as Lot goes, so, does, so goes Abram. There's a covenantal relationship. Covenantal lo love binds them to one another, no matter what. Now, we read about Lot, and you can have your own conclusion. I know what the Word of God says. He was righteous. He was considered righteous. But you see, there was issues in Lot's life. And there was one point. Do you remember there was a point where 
you know, their, their, their crops, I mean, their, um, pro, their um, herds and everything had grown and, and they were running out of fertile ground. And, and, and Abram said, okay, we got to divide. Okay, you, you choose. Whatever side you go, I'll go the other side. Abram, because of a covenantal relationship, gave Lot whatever. In, so Lot said, I, those plains over here, this town of Sodom over here looks pretty good. I like, I like kind of living in the city. So he went his own way. And it's interesting, going back to covenant, God used Lot to intervene in Abram's life. The context is when they separated, and then Lot is in a place where it's a pretty bad place. And there's all kinds of wars, there's all kinds of things going on, some pretty bad things going on there. In Genesis chapter 14, verses 11 and 12, it says, So they, the five kings, took all of Sodom, and Gomorrah's possessions, and their food, and they left. They also took Lot. In other words, they took Lot prisoner, Abram's nephew, and his possessions, and they left. He was living in Sodom at the time. Chapter 19, verse 29. Genesis chapter 19, verse 20 says, So it was, as God destroyed the cities of the surrounding area. But what, go back before I even read that, is... A messenger comes and tells Abram, hey, Lot's been taken prisoner. And Abram's response is, serves him right. He shouldn't have done what he did. Let him fight for himself. No. But because of covenant, he goes and rescues. And, and Abram defeats five kings to rescue Lot and his possessions and his sons and his, and his wife. Because of covenant relationship. Fast forward, chapter 19, verse 29. Another situation Lot gets himself. Lot was getting himself into all kinds of things. So it was as God destroyed the cities of the surrounding area that God remembered Abraham because of what? Because of covenant and sent Lot out of the midst of the upheaval when he demolished the cities where Lot had dwelt. Because of God's covenantal relationship with Abram, and because Abraham was in a covenantal relationship with God, God remembered that relationship with Abraham and rescues Lot again. That's how covenant works. Lot gets into trouble. Abram goes to war for him and asks the Lord to rescue his family, would we do that for somebody who messes up? Are we willing to do that for somebody? Do we understand covenant relationship as Abram did? How do we view the church and the messianic body in the light of covenant? That's why I'm talking about unity. We need to recognize one another as part of the body. We might have different way of doing things. We meet on Shabbat. The right day, the correct day, according to the scriptures. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. You guys know my heart. Others meet on Sunday. They're not the enemy. They're not. They're brothers and sisters. We're all together. That's awesome. On this mountain, Shabbat and Sunday are dedicated to worshiping the Lord. That's awesome. They want to join us for the feast of the Lord. That's awesome. They want to learn their Jewish roots. And I want to learn to worship how they worship. Process of covenant. God visits. We see that in Genesis 11. He promises everything in Genesis 12. He makes covenant after the war for Lot with Abram in Genesis 15. And guess what? 
he, Abram, is who we are grafted in through, to, through Yeshua. We're grafted into the family of Abraham through Yeshua, through his blood. You see, a Hebraic mindset is a God mindset based on covenant developed in the earth realm. A mindset based on covenant developed in the earth realm. We see this, that covenant was initiated in Abram, Abraham, received and continued and experienced in his son Isaac and reaffirmed through struggle in Jacob. And guess what? We are grafted into those patriarchs, all of us, whether you're Jew or Gentile. Now, I am not saying when you cross over and you become, you know, that you suddenly become Jewish. No, I'm not saying that at all. We all have our identity as a people, ethnic groups, and things like that. But the promises and the covenants, we are grafted into them. You see, the covenant with Abraham shifted with, as it is passed on to Isaac and reaffirmed with Isaac, and then with Jacob. But now, in Genesis chapter 49, things are changing. We're getting ready to, uh, uh, there's going to be a, a a covenant shift with Abraham at the end of one season and then shift to another dimension involving the 12 tribes, the 12 sons. In Genesis 49, 1, it says, Jacob called his sons and said to them, gather together so that I could tell you what will happen in the last days. That struck to me. That really, that's, I never saw that before where he says, I will tell you what happened in the last days. Abraham is going to speak things prophetically over his 12 sons that are going to be in effect through until the last days. And so it's important that we understand what he's getting ready to say. We're going to spend time over the next weeks looking at that. You see, Jacob knows he's getting ready to die. He's wrestled with his, under, his own understanding of covenant. That's what I love about Jacob. You see this, this you know, he's born in deception, and, and there's all this manipulation, you know, in the family. And yet he wrestles, he has this wrestling um, tournament with, with the Lord, and, and he's surrendered. Now he's a surrendered man, he's, and he receives himself as the, as the patriarch. The, the mantle of the patriarch is upon him, and he's the receiver of all the promises And now he taps into the Lord. He taps into his father to speak over his sons and to prophesy what is ahead. It's a time to gather together and hear. In Genesis 49, 2, he says, Be assembled and listen, sons of Jacob, and listen to your father. Now, this is a big task. Think about Jacob's sons. Think about that family. You talk about the epitome of a dysfunctional family. It's these guys. We see all kinds of issues. Man, they're, they're just, they're, just look at Joseph and what they did to Joseph. So they have their own, they, they, don't work, they don't work well together. Let's put it that way. Okay? That's putting it mildly. They have their own grievances, their own fears, their own issues. But they have to make a choice to listen. We all have to make a choice to listen to what God is saying. And I believe he's speaking to us in these hours right now. We have any ears to hear what he's saying. See, a transference is about to take place from Jacob to his sons, from Jacob to the tribes. 
Are we hearing that there's a transference that is taking place today? Are we hearing what God is saying? There's a new wineskin that he's already, but he's getting ready to pour in his new wine. Are we hearing? But as we look at that, we'll look more into this next week and the next few weeks, is each tribe receives its position, its portion. They're part of the whole. Each tribe receives their portion. They're part of the whole. Each is necessary. Each one will be necessary for getting to the God-intended destination. Where are they at when, God, when, when, when um, Jacob is prophesying? Where are they at? Egypt. But where are they supposed to be? The promised land in Canaan. How long is it before, between when he's prophesying these words over this until they get to the promised land? 400 and something years. God is not slow in his promises. <laughs> he's not. He's just long-suffering, long-suffering. Yeah. Prophecy over each tribe. Okay. A prophecy to one was a prophecy to all of them because they were all called to work together. Their destination was 12 tribes but one nation that will represent God's kingdom to all the nations, a people of God. God had already spoke to Abram that he's calling him to, to Canaan. That's where they're supposed to be, but they're in Egypt as slaves, or they weren't yet, but they will be slaves but God's destination is that they would be in Canaan, but even more importantly, that they would be representatives of God to all the nations. And they all had a role to play in that. That's what I'm talking about, how important unity is. Prophecy over each tribe still working because guess what? We're grafted into them. When I talked about the sons of Issachar today, why do we invoke the promise that was spoken to Issachar? That they they were people who they were. People who knew the times, but they knew what to do. Because God, that same spirit, that, that same prophecy that goes for Issachar also goes for us too. So let me bring this to a hold. Come on up, um, Tammy. All tribes play a part in end day events. That's why Abraham is saying, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to be happening in the last days. In the end days, you see, if we're grafted into God's redemptive plan, we need to learn how to operate in his calendar, his ways, his times. All of us go through those crossing over times where we cross into new things. I tell you what, how many, in, just in the last five or six months, feel like they're in a new season that they've been crossing over. And you may not have full revelation of what that is yet. Sarah, you know that. You may not have full revelation. Yeah, you, you know that. Yeah. Okay. He gives us revelation as we obey the last thing that he tells us to do. And then he gives us another revelation. He keeps on giving us revelation. As we're coming into this, as we're in this midst of the month of Elul, and we're saying, God, I open my heart to you, Lord. Get rid of all the stuff that doesn't belong there. Get rid of the gunk, Lord, so I can hear you clearly. How many of us love to hear God speak? 
But how many of us sometimes struggle in hearing God's voice? And we'll be honest with ourselves. And there may be an area that you, maybe you thought you dealt with. God is wanting you to go deeper into that area and to surrender Him to Him because we need to cross over into the new season. It doesn't mean that everything of the past was not worthwhile. No, we learn from the past. We learn from our past mistakes. But God is crossing us. We are, we are going into a new season where we need to cross over because the Lord is calling us to cross over. We have to do it in the right way. Heart submitted, surrendered to Him. Getting rid of all that attitudes, mindsets, judgments towards others. I have to, I tell you what, with all the, I used to watch a lot more news than I do now. And I've told you, and I mean this, I've watched less news than I did six months ago, a year ago, because it was getting me really angry. It was really, I was taking up my knife every day, you know, instead of the sword wants us to take up his sword. That doesn't mean just cut off all that stuff, but what we're seeing and what we're hearing, see it through kingdom eyes. Instead of saying, that's evil, that's sinful, we know that. Saying, Lord, how am I to respond to that? How am I to cross over into this new season with all of that taking place? And this is an individual thing, but it's also a corporate thing. As I mentioned while several weeks back, the Lord gave me an assignment. Instead of cursing the darkness, go out there and do something about it. Pray. He gave us an assignment. He gave me an assignment, and, and, and we've, we've taken that up as an assignment for Orkayim to go and to pray. And I know it's making a difference. I know it. I sense it in the atmosphere. There's been a change. People are saying, I'm sick of the violence. I'm sick of all this stuff. We're not going to put up with it anymore. But we need in this crossing over season to repent of attitudes against the church. I've had attitudes against the church, but you know what? I am in. I am in. There's only one church. Ecclesia. There's one bride. There's one body. Okay, different parts of the body. And we need to get rid of all the judgments towards them. And especially after these last six months with COVID and all the upheaval, we can't remain in our camps. But we need to see each other as a covenant brother, covenant sister. Thank you, Sarah, for that word. That's what you said today. It's an imperative. We're in a new wineskin, a season. We're asking the Lord to search your hearts, ask him to say, Lord, what's my role? What's my task in this new season that we're in? What's my role and task in this new season? Am I positioned to enter that new place? Did you have something you wanted to share? And I'd like to bring what Stu just said in a big picture. 
I'd like to bring it a little down home because we are the Kehila and we need to look at our words and thoughts and attitudes as a family towards one another and words that we may say when we're not here or even when we are here about each other or to each other or attitudes that we may have. And so this is a good time to look at that. And as families normally do, I know I live in a family and we live as a husband and wife. <laughs> um, sometimes we say things to each other that um, in the heat of the moment that we don't really mean, but because we're in a flesh moment or a hurting moment, we say things that hurt each other and it causes disunity, um, it causes pain, and it does not glorify God. And when Paul Wilbur was here, and we had personal time with him, he said those are the kind of things that people, new people, will come in and pick up on in the spirit. And you won't grow. They'll sense it in your family. And so when this word came out about put away your knives and take out the word, we want to be people of the word. And so as Stu and I stand here, we want to say if you have anything, any ought or anything towards us, please come to us. We are, we are grown-ups, we are your leaders, and we don't want you talking about us behind our backs because we love you and we want to be there for you. And if we've offended you, we want to build bridges with you, not walls. We don't want, if we've hurt you, we want to make amends with you. We don't want you to walk away from us. We want you to walk towards us. And if you've hurt one another, we want you to walk towards one another, not away from each other. We want you to embrace each other. And we want to help you be able to do that. Because we believe in covenant relationships, relationships that will build and grow and stay together and not just 
leave because there's another group down the road that doesn't know what's going on and they're easy just to walk into and have a fresh start. You grow when you can get past issues. So this is just a good time. It's a good season during Elul to search your hearts and to grow close to one another and to the Father, to let go of all bitterness, all offense, to grow in love. So hear our hearts, okay? Because we do truly love you. Amen. And that's where I really sense today we want to come to Yeshua's table, the Lord's table, and recommit ourselves to Him first and foremost, but also to one another. In 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you that the Lord Yeshua, on the night He was betrayed, took matzah. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in memory of me. For as often as you drink it in memory of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the Lord's cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood of the Lord, of guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself and then let him eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For the one who eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself goes on to say, for this reason, many are, among you are weak and sick, and quite a few have died. For if we were judging ourselves thoroughly, we wouldn't be coming under judgment. But when we are judged, we are being disciplined by the Lord, so that we might not be condemned along with the world. As we take of the bread in the cup, examine our hearts, but also realize that we are one body in Yeshua grafted into the promises of Abraham all the way back so what we're going to do is we're going to have you come up individually so it's not crowded up here we have the um, individual cups with a piece of matzah with a wafer in them already so if we'd come up one by one take them and go back to your seats and then we'll take together because communion I believe is we don't need to do that one just to do the one here well actually yeah if you if it's more comfortable you can come up here too but <clears throat> but just take one 